We have developed a product which allows instant communication over 100 languages. The main thing I want to know, Sophie, is will I be funny if I'm speaking Farsi? 5G is being sold as this pioneering breakthrough. And once you have this 20 millisecond latency, boom, you get this really full emotional, immersive engagement. We picked up smiles, expressions. If you laugh at the wrong spot, it's all blown. And that directed the story. You're basically directing the film with your face. That was exactly what we were doing. <laughs> Welcome to this brand new podcast all about the future of technology and 5G. I'm Susie Ruffle, and I've been asked by Samsung to host this, which I am very excited about. However, listen, I do have a slight confession to make. I don't know that much about technology. So what I decided to do was call up the cleverest person I know, absolute brainiac, doctor of maths, the wonderful Hannah Fry. Hi, Hannah. Hi. Am I the cleverest person you know? By a mile. That's... Thank you. That's and nice you know everything about everything. I, so, I don't know if I do know everything about everything. I know some things about some things. You know, not a complete wizard tech, but I can find my way. Whether you're like me or like Hannah, this podcast definitely has something for you. But anyway, over the next few episodes, we are going to do a little bit of peering into the future. We're going to be looking at the different ways that technology is transforming the world. We've got cameras with superpowers. We've got surgeons that can operate from halfway around the world. And even some 5G connected cows. 5G connected cows? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever next. Is that is that what you want to call the podcast, Is he? Yes! I hadn't even thought of a title yet. That's definitely what we should call it. Hello and welcome to Whatever Next. All right, then, before we start, yes. uh, I thought I would see how much you know about technology. So uh, I've got a little quiz for you, Susie. Oh. So we're going to do a bit of future gazing in the series. Okay. Now, I know that by the year 2020, there were a few things that we thought we'd have. A hoverboard. Yes. I haven't got a hoverboard. And everyone is disappointed about hoverboards. I know, I have to cycle everywhere. It's very sad. It's gutting. Um, but you know what, though? Sometimes the truth ends up being stranger than fantasy. So what I've got is I've got a description of three inventions, three bits of tech. Two of them were predictions of what we'd have by now from the 1930s and 50s. Uh, but one of them is a real invention. Okay. Oh, OK. So two false, one, one real. Yeah. And all you've okay. got to do is guess which is the real one. Okay. Easy. I can do this. All right. Here we go. OK. The three things are one... A light bulb that glows when someone is telling the truth. Okay. Two, a glove that can make an amateur play grade eight piano. Or three, a way to recycle used fabrics, including underwear, to make sweets and candy. Okay, well, it's not that one. That's disgusting. It's not going to be the light thing because I would know about it. I think it's the glove. I can put on a glove and I'll be able to play the piano. You're right. <gasps> yes. Annoying. I'm brilliant at this. Um, I'm going to talk to you about the club later on. I'm Great. Tell you all about it. Um, the uh, the other two were not real. One was from a 1950s essay. Uh, the light bulb was from a 1930s film about fashion in the 21st century, and it was for uh, women who wanted to find an honest husband. They had a little light bulb they could wear in their hair. Oh. <laughs> the point is. During this show, we're not going to make any outlandish claims. We are limiting ourselves to stuff that we really think is going to happen where the science and technology already exist. Some of the stuff is, is maybe quite far in the future, but other things are literally here right now. Oh, yeah. It's stuff that's just around the corner, isn't it? Yeah. Now, today, we are going to be talking about everything entertainment. Did you watch Bandersnatch? Snatch? 
I did, yes. So the one where you could change the ending. Yeah, choose your own adventure. Yeah, choose your own adventure. And the way that it was set up was that uh, every now and then the action would pause and give you an option on the screen and you'd use the controller to... To, to choose to which way you wanted to go. Okay, so I want you to imagine now... Should I shut my eyes? If you could, yeah. You're in the Lake District. It's beautiful out there. Oh, it's lovely. You're in a tent. You've got your phone with you. You're watching something like Bandersnatch and the year is 2025. How do I look? Great. Okay, what's that experience going to be like? What can we look forward to in terms of choose your own adventure films in the future? So I had a chat with a man called Steve Cunnan. He is the CEO of Wirewax, and that's a company that creates these kind of interactive videos. And therefore, he is a man that should know the answer about what we have to look forward to. We only know experiences like Bandersnatch because that's what only can exist. But if you could change the narrative of a piece of video content based on how you were holding your phone, noises that the phone was picking up in the background, or the location that you were in, if it started serving you a scene that was set in the Lake District rather than in you know, <laughs> central London, that could be significantly more interesting and, and powerful as, a, as an experience. So this stuff is actually happening already. Sometimes when you watch films, especially when you watch them online, maybe the actor will walk past a table with like a Coke can on it or they'll walk past a poster. And if I were to watch that same clip, I wouldn't see a Coke can. I'd see, I don't know, maybe like a Fanta bottle. And the poster might be completely different. So what they can do is they can change what appears in the scene based on what the algorithms know about you and your buying habits and what you're likely to buy. Because of what I've bought online? Because of what you've already bought online. But actually there's a quite fun element to this as well that I think can make stuff much more interactive. Normal fun or nerd fun? I think normal fun. Okay, good. But sometimes I can't tell the difference. I know. Let's say then that you're watching a film and there is a camera that you've consented to pointing at you. It's possible that you can make gestures like point to certain things on the screen or have your hands up or start clapping. And what you see on the screen will change based on your gestures. Now, this is kind of quite a clever idea, but it is something that gets a bit tricky when you have more than one person in a room watching the same film. But you could create an entire cinema experience that is tailored to what the audience is doing. And you then give that crowd the power to change the direction of the story. So cinema becomes like a collective experience yeah. rather than something for an individual. Yeah, you're not passively sitting there just watching a screen. You're actually interacting with the story. Your facial expressions could change the story because, you know, obviously you're finding this very interesting or you're finding it very scary and they can dial it up. And so does that mean that if you were watching, say, a horror film, just my facial expressions will change a film? In theory, yeah. If you're scared, then you end up being sent off down one path. And if you're happy, maybe another. Wow. It's good, isn't it? It's terrifying, but I love it. <laughs> It is. But it's also, I think, quite possible. This isn't just sort of fantasy stuff. In fact, to explain how it might work, I have asked Guy Gadney, he's the CEO of Charisma.ai, to come and tell us a little bit more. Hi, Guy. Hello, Guy. Hi. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. Pleasure <laughs> to be here. Totally. I promised Susie that you're going to explain how this stuff actually works. Yes, because I'm going to be honest, I'm still a little bit in the dark. I can give it a go because I think in some ways, and fortunately, it's actually really simple. I think the concept of being inside a movie or being inside a TV show or any form of entertainment is still a bit mind-blowing to a lot of people because we're so used to linear storytelling where you have a beginning and a middle and an end. 
and that we sort of sit back to experience it. But if you go back before film, before TV, and indeed before books, we were all part of the stories around a campfire or where there were families telling horror stories to each other. And, you know, granddad would place you in, inside that horror story and it would be doubly scary or doubly enthralling or doubly romantic or whatever the genre was. So in some ways, I think that we can tap back into those old methods of storytelling, apply like super latest AI technology to it, and then we're into something really exciting. Mm. So our view and what we do with Charisma was really to sort of not look at what tech was doing, but look at what storytelling is doing and look at the different film techniques, TV techniques. And actually, we settled on theatre. We settled on immersive theatre because what immersive theatre's got is they are used to writing stories where the audience is part of it and the story changes throughout that whole area. What is the tech that actually makes this possible? Why haven't we had this already? Well, I think there's a lot of tech around there that could be used. Uh, The key for us is actually the ability to understand what you as a member of the audience are saying and doing. And then we can then interpret that and then put you into the story. So technically speaking, it's natural language processing that if I speak something, the computer listens and then puts it contextually into the story. That's sort of the clever bit. That's the brains of what we're doing. So for example, if you think about smart speakers and and voice assistants, their goal is to get you in and out of that experience as fast as possible. It's like a search engine or to a shopping cart or whatever it is. But the world we live in, the entertainment world, it's about a story which has a beginning, a middle and an end. And you want to stay in that story, inside that conversation with the characters for as long as possible. So what about if I don't want that fully immersive experience? I don't want to be in the film, but I still want to sort of take part in it. Is there a way that just my expressions could mean that I was sort of leading a story? Well, we did a project uh, at the end of last year, which was a simulation of a job interview for MI6, which we called AI6 in a kooky turn of phrase. I love it. And what that did was it had a little camera which was focused on your face and would read your expressions for this job interview. So uh, whether Tom Hardy did this to get potentially his new role as James Bond, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But for those sorts of more psychological interviews where if you smile at the wrong moment, you might not get the job. If you laugh at the wrong spot, you know, it's it's all blown. We picked up smiles, expressions, and that directed the story. Whatever your emotions were at that moment, that would then drive the next step of the interview. The next line of questioning. The next line of whether you were a spy or not, yeah. (laughs) You're basically directing the film with your face. That's what you're telling me. That was exactly what we were doing. (laughs) That's amazing. It's cool, isn't it? Really cool. And a little bit scary. Mostly cool. (laughs) The closest thing that people will know is Bandersnatch. But in that experience, you've got all action stops and you're given an option. But that's not what we're talking about here, is it? No, totally not. And I think there's a big canyon to leap over between pressing a button to choose which direction you're going in, where you're sort of outside the story and pressing a yes, no or a binary decision like that and being inside the story. And that's very different. How far off these really sort of futuristic applications are we? We're very nearly there. So with advances in AI and now with 5G, the combination of those two is going to allow not only stories that are properly immersive, but visually they will seem visually really immersive. 
And I think, you know, you were talking about yourself being in a movie earlier. Imagine it's almost like the agents in The Matrix, you know, where the agents sort of wibble from one character and then they wibble out of that character into another character. It's like you can do that with 5G. And the reason for that is simply that we can, with the reduced latency and the and the higher speeds, we can get people on not that powerful mobile phones and not that powerful computers having these sorts of really immersive and high quality experiences. What do you mean when you say latency? Well, so the way my young son explained it to me, he says that it is the speed between his computer and the monitor is about the same speed between the internet and the end device. How young is your son? Because he sounds very (laughs) smart. He's 11. (laughs) He's good. Which basically means that we can put a lot of the hard, grunty effort that is needed to create these hugely immersive 3D worlds up into the internet, up into the cloud. And it means that we don't have to have hugely expensive handsets sitting at home. It means there's no delay, right? So you, no delay. you, you, you're watching, I don't know, Fleabag, and she turns around to look at you and says, what do you want to do? And then you respond, and then she immediately responds. There's no delay between what you say and her responding. That's exactly right. I'm thinking about sport here as well. The great thing about sport is that adrenaline moment, but also how we can then tailor that to something that is more relevant to us. So, for example, I might be watching Grand Prix in Monaco. It's a particularly challenging track. Lewis Hamilton is is doing really well. He comes across a corner and he cuts the corner a bit or he goes too wide. I can then, sitting there at home, pause that, go, I can do that better myself, pick up my console controller, take control of the car, replay that corner until I've done it how it should have been done. No chance. No No chance. (laughs) This idea then that we're moving away from a linear narrative, does that mean that the ending will be different for all of us? Are we talking about the end of spoilers here? I think potentially we are talking about the end of spoilers because that conversation is going to be, oh, well, did you see what happened last night? Yeah, but you know what I did? (laughs) I did this. Did you discover that? So actually, rather than it just being a summary of the plot that everyone has seen, which has its own merits, it's now a summary of how you played the plot. You know, there was one thing that Guy was talking about there, um, latency. Yes. This idea of a delay. Uh, and actually, uh, I know that... <laughs> Let me tell you a story about low latency. It doesn't exactly sound like I'm going to just... No, I feel into... like, should I, like, are you going to, like, tuck me in? Okay. But... <laughs> it's okay. Get the cocoa. Come on, everyone around the fire. Yes. Hannah's got a story about low latency. Bedtime tale. Um, thing is, though, there are actually loads of people who are incredibly excited about the idea of low latency in the future. Are you one of those people? I think I might be, you know. You know who else is one of these people? Professor Misha Dola. So he's an academic. He is a professor in wireless communications at King's College London. Just to be clear, I know that a professor is an academic. We we don't need to start that low. All right. He could be a (laughs) professor elsewhere. Okay. He could be one of those sort of fake professors. Like me. We'll talk about that later, shall we? Anyway, look, Misha is incredibly excited about low latency and there's a good reason why. Have a listen to this. 5G is being sold as um, you know, beyond 4G, you know, more data rate. You know, it's true. We have 10 times more data rate. It's a great system. But really, what is this pioneering breakthrough is that low latency. And once you have this 20 millisecond latency boom, this is where you get this really full emotional, uh, immersive engagement. Okay, so I kind of get that. 
but I don't really understand how it works in practice. Yeah, so delay is really important. So when you're sat in person having a conversation, the time that it takes for the sound to leave your mouth and get to my ears is about between 5 and 20 milliseconds, which is actually pretty slow, right, given that we're sat in the same room together. Sound moves quite slowly. But to me, it feels like it's instantaneous. You speak and I hear you instantaneously. But if you're chatting over something like a video call, right, like we've all done loads this year, yeah. even if everything's running smoothly, you're looking at more like 20 to 260 milliseconds. So it's like a big step up in terms of how instantaneous things happen. And if the delay is big, our brains really don't like it. We kind of react badly to big delays. And there's a way that I can demonstrate this to you. Okay, great. So if you take your phone there, yeah. I've got something called a speech jammer. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I've done, yeah. So this is what you told me to download. It is the thing I told you to download. Okay, so what you do, you put headphones in your ears so you can't hear yourself speaking anymore. And what this will do is it just creates a little delay between you speaking and you hearing yourself speak. So you're used to, you speak and you hear it instantaneously, or you speak and I hear you instantaneously. And this just creates a bit of latency, just creates a a bit of a delay. And suddenly it becomes incredibly difficult to talk. Okay, I don't think I'll find it that hard. (laughs) Give it a go. Okay, so what do you want me to say? Do you want to do a tongue twister? I'd love to do a tongue twister. All right, go on then. Imagine imagining an imaginary, imaginary. (laughs) Turns out I'm not that good at it. It's strange, isn't it? Your brain just can't quite work with the delay. So this is an app that you can download yourselves and play along. Anyway, the point about this is that actually when it comes to singing in particular, singing with a delay is unbelievably hard, but... It doesn't actually need to be like that. So uh, if you can get rid of that delay, that is going to be a game changer when it comes to people playing music together when they're not in the same physical space. And this is something that Professor Misha Dola knows all about as he held the first ever 5G concert. Yes, we were the first ones to do it. Of course, there's a huge team involved there. But uh, excitingly, you know, that was one of the big defining milestones. Uh, We thought for the first time, we're going to have a technology here, 5G, which is, you know, accessible to everybody. So we thought, let's give 5G some soul. So I flew to Berlin under, I was playing the piano under the Brandenburger Tour. And uh, my daughter, Noah, was at the Guildhall. Yeah, this was actually a couple of years ago now. So they had their audio synced up with no latency and they were just watching each other on video in a normal sort of video link. Um, But of course, 2020 came along and suddenly this is something that everybody kind of needs. So it's, uh, you know, all all of these choir groups who haven't been able to practice, all of these, you know, band members living in different places. And the idea behind this is, is not just that, you know, amateurs might be able to use this or people as good as we are at singing doing thank you, thank stuff. You. Um, but that uh, professionals might be able to use it too a band might be broken up uh, physically broken up because one lives here the other lives there for instance as an example you know Coldplay you know uh, you know one lives in Los Angeles the rest lives in the UK could they actually use that type of tech to recreate music or do even concerts in a totally new way without traveling which actually they had you know alluded to almost a year back I'm imagining now uh, all of the bands that can't stand to be in the same room as one another I'm thinking Gallagher Brothers <laughs> Okay, you know what? That is really lovely about this idea, though. So, all right, we're talking about great bands can get back together and so on. But when I spoke to Misha about what it actually feels like when you have that instantaneous feedback, here's what he had to say. 
And what I did not expect, actually, when we did this, is that this emotional bond, which was building up uh, during the performance, you know, it felt like she's with me. And uh, this emotional bond where actually she could adapt to the playing speed or the, the pitch of the piano, I could adapt to her singing speed. And you will see that the audio is actually really within 20 milliseconds, which gives us that bond. We felt this huge geographic bridge was closed by using this 5G low latency technology. I think there's something really lovely about that. It's definitely something I've noticed in 2020 with being removed from my family. And you talk to them on video call and, yeah, you sort of, you know, you see them and you get a, you sort of scratch the itch a bit. But it's just, it's just a little bit... uh, 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 Clunky. uh, 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 Yeah, it's just a little bit clunky. And I do feel that you really miss that emotional connection. That's why, to be honest, I I tend to talk to people on the telephone rather than video conference. And you also call it a telephone. (laughs) But I think it's really exciting when we talk about this stuff because it's sort of like tech being used for good. The world becoming so much more accessible for everybody. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's not just about more screens and more people watching screens i think that this stuff has the potential to step out of that screen environment and into a more physical space so misha told me about uh something he calls the internet of skills so basically there is this is the thing we talked about at the beginning right there's a pair of gloves that uh, you can put on the hands of an amazing piano player uh, while they play the piano and then the student wears another pair of gloves you know what let misha explain this So we would use a haptic glove to record my movement that would be either streamed in real time or would be recorded on the skills database. And when you want to learn piano, you then have two choices. Either you have a little bit of knowledge already, so you play, and then you would maybe wear also a haptic glove, which only gives you a little signal the moment you are maybe in the wrong position. So it's nudging you to do the right thing. Or you could go even further. You could assume you can put an exoskeleton glove. So these are mechanical gloves which actually move your fingers and therefore can teach you exactly the way how, you know, pianists like me go over the keyboard. I love the idea of the haptic glove. <laughs> Basically being like a school teacher standing over you with a ruler and smacking yes. the back of your hand whenever yes, you're going yes. wrong. I love that because I, I can't play any instruments and I feel like it's, I feel quite embarrassed by that. <laughs> I would love to be able to play. Can you play the piano? No. Can you play anything? I'm grade one piano. I'm learning at the moment. Are you? Yeah. Have you got any magic gloves? No, but I really want to. Imagine that though, because this is the thing, right? The whole ambition of like wanting to play the piano as an adult, learning as an adult, is just imagine being able to go into your house one day and be like, you know what? I think I'll do a little bit of Claire de Lune, right? And just sitting down at the piano and being able to do that. But imagine if you could skip the whole like process of five to eight years of having to actually learn how to do it and being rubbish and being rubbish and like your neighbors hating you just popping on these gloves and just being like yeah yeah a bit what about if you lose the gloves well this is true because i'm constantly losing gloves that's the thing you'd have to be very careful with these ones amazing in the left hand just absolutely terrible <laughs> in the right just wow they get those cords bum, great bum. <laughs> all you need is a glove you're absolutely right glove is all you need I think if we're properly looking forward into the future, though, you have to think of all of these different innovations as connected to one another. So 
uh, things like that low latency that, that's, you know, on its way, allowing musicians to play simultaneously in different spaces. You have to connect that up with the sort of immersive environment of being a viewer. So things like a whole music festival that you can watch from your living room, which isn't just you watching a screen with, you know, of, of previous clips of Glastonbury, but actually an immersive, interactive environment with musicians who aren't necessarily in the same space. I think that's something we can look forward to. And in that scenario, you'd be wearing a VR headset and so you'd be able to look you know you'd have 360 vision of everything that's happening around you yeah but you're not necessarily in front of the stage looking at it you could be on the stage where you know you look to your left and you've got I don't know uh, you don't know any musicians (laughs) do you do you want to say Chris Martin Chris Martin and to your right you've got the other one in Coldplay I think it's not just replacing the atmosphere of the live event. It's also about creating a new kind of atmosphere. Like there's a, there's a, a guy called Anthony Caridas. He's the CEO of Mativision. Uh, and he's actually part of a project that is organising the first 5G festival, right? So putting all of these things into action. And he's got this great analogy, which is that when the film camera was invented, all people knew how to do was just point a film camera at a stage and just record what was there. And I think that's basically what's happened in 2020, right? You know, we we haven't been able to go to festivals. So all we've been doing is just pointing cameras at stages and expecting that to replace the live experience. And of course it doesn't. But if you think about how cinema evolved, a film like Inception, for example, you know, you've got changing plot lines and time and all of this stuff. I think that actually there is a real opportunity for once creative people get hold of this technology properly to create a whole different interactive virtual experience that doesn't replace the real thing, but actually works alongside it as an alternative. So I had a bit of sort of personal experience with this as well, because when everything closed down, obviously that included my workplaces, theatres, comedy clubs, anywhere that you can do a live performance. I started doing some gigs on Zoom and initially I I didn't really want to do them. To be honest, I thought they'd be kind of weird. And I'll be honest, they, they were kind of weird, but they worked in their own little way. It was different to being in a comedy club, but it was stand up. It was a version of stand-up. And the thing that I loved from doing this and something that I really didn't expect was quite a lot of people got in touch with me to say that they'd never been able to see me live before, whether that be because they live abroad or because, you know, financially they haven't been able to. But one message really got me. A girl got in touch with me to say that she was bedbound, And because of that, she's never been to a comedy club and she's never been able to see something live. But because we were live streaming the show, she got to watch stand-up in real time watch us react to things in real time and really be part of it. And she said that she'd never experienced anything like that before and she loved it. And that, it really, really got me. Mm. And, And it just felt like tech had created a beautiful moment there. I think that's it, you know. Lots of people, I think, are still itching for the pandemic to go away and for us to get back to the live experience only but I think that it's important to remember that actually that virtual experience does really have its own merits and I think that's a really important one of them. I think people get worried that digital is going to replace physically being somewhere and I think that's another thing that I've learned through chatting to all these different people on today's podcast is that no one's trying to replace or replicate anything it's about creating something that's different but really exciting. Yeah I agree. I've got to say, for me, Hannah, there's also a massive win of being able to not go to a festival but experience a festival. You know what I really hate about going to big live music events? It's 
people chucking cups of wee. Yeah, that's the thing. It's really I don't I don't understand. I don't I mean there is nothing that could happen on that stage that will make that experience okay for me. Of course not. Of course not. So Hannah, obviously all this tech is really interesting and it's really impressive, but I do want to know how it's going to affect live performance and specifically comedy. So I had a chat with Donna, who is at the Brighton Dome. I'm Donna Close and I'm the Digital Culture Associate at Brighton Dome, Brighton Festival. And basically what that means is that I'm working with them about how to make use of their 5G testbed. So if you could imagine a space that's overlaid with a virtual world that you could engage with through your phone and you can press the button on it and it will give you the backstory about the actors and tell you what else they were in and all that sort of stuff. The other thing that 5G would enable you to do is stream in 360, 360 film. So not only might you find out when the artist is leaving the dressing room, but actually to be able to access their experience, you know, imagine that, imagine getting their viewpoint. I think it's a way that we're going to be able to get into the show before the show even begins. Say you arrive at the Brighton Dome, you might have your phone with you and maybe the director of the show could have something that he wants you to read or he wants you to look at or you could even watch some rehearsals of the play that you're about to see. So it's this turning up at a venue and it being this fully immersive Mm. thing from the moment that you walk through the door. But it's not just artistic stuff that I was interested in. Donna also told me you could create a cocktail from your seat and you could send it to the bar and they could make it for you. Or you could see how long the queue for the bar is if you've got time to get another drink before the second act starts. But even more importantly, and I'm sure you'll agree with me here, Hannah, you could see if there was a queue for the ladies. There's always a queue for the ladies. There's always a queue for the ladies, but you could time your wee so that you know that you're not in the biggest queue in the world. Or you could find out which toilet has the fewest people in. But when I was talking to Donna about all of this technology, I did get a bit worried because there is nothing worse than someone having their phone out during a gig. Mm, True. Very distracting. Very distracting. Here's what Donna had to say about that. And there's nothing that I hate more than, than than doing that and watching a room full of people with phones. But yeah. I think that it's it's something that I guess we have to get used to. I think there's been some really interesting artists already playing with that idea of how can you incorporate the phone into the performance so that you're yeah. harnessing it for the good of all rather than it just being a distraction. I did start to wonder about whether I could start having digital hecklers. Okay. What Ooh. do you think about that? Ooh. that I mean, that sort of happens anyway, doesn't it? People shouting at you on Twitter before and after a gig. I mean, that does happen a little bit. It's often men with some letters and numbers after their names and they have things like Proud Dad in their bio. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's interesting. It would definitely be easier to sort of kick people out. What, if they were recording their, uh, their sort of heckling? Well, yeah, if they were watching it on their phone and they were able to react to me in real time and I was be able to hear them in real time, I could just sort of go disconnect him Mm, that's true get him out that is very true and that's without bouncers having to come in and without without like hearing his wife go oh he's just drunk leave him alone he's just trying to have a nice night out (laughs) he's had a really stressful week at work you'd have none of that no no it's true do you ever get hecklers at maths gigs what do you think no because they're all too scared to talk to a girl um, you know, you're not really helping to dispel lazy stereotypes here Susie I'm not sure I'm going to play along with you that means yes (laughs) I did want to know what was just around the corner Live translation means um, comedians, you know, yes. they can they can use this use this as well because it means that they're able to improvise and be spontaneous, and the technology will keep up with them. And we're not far away from immediate live translation. I really don't think so. I think that's something's going to happen soon. Do you know what? I've done a bit more research. I think you're going to be quite proud of me. You've done some research. 
I've done some research for the job. Well done, Sue. Thank you. I found out more about these live translations and how it's going to change the landscape of not only video conferencing, but also live events. My name is Sepi Chakove. I am the CEO and founder of Pixelar. And uh, we have developed a product which is called Pixel Chat, which allows instant communication over 100 languages. Basically, her app uses 5G to translate instantly, whether you're speaking in German or Farsi. And the app can be used for many things like helping an NHS doctor speak to patients who don't speak English or to having lessons taught around the world in multiple languages, but at the same time. Of course, I got straight to the point. The main thing I want to know, Seppi, is will I be funny if I'm speaking Farsi? Well, I mean, uh, the the, the content doesn't change. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that felt like a real dig at my stand-up. That's actually quite upsetting. And Hannah just can't speak for laughing. Brilliant. I I like (laughs) Seppi. Well, you're going to be pleased. You're going to be pleased then because I have persuaded her to lend me a prototype to use in the studio so I can find out if I'm just funny in English. We're going to do a little experiment. We're going to do a little experiment. And do you know when we're going to do it, Hannah? We're going to do it right now. Look, I don't want to make the podcast all about me, but I am interested in how this might mean that I could do stand-up in lots of different languages, do it in lots of different places, maybe find people that like my kind of comedy but don't speak English. Mm. Have you found people who like your kind of comedy who do speak English? Can I change my co-host now? Is that possible or has their contract already been done? Too late, mate. No reckon out. So I'm going to say one of my gags. Mm-hmm. It's in, and it will sound like it's not a very good joke, but I want to reassure you that it is. Okay. This, isn't, this just isn't a great place for stand-up to happen because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it, it's just you and me here. Of course. <laughs> but I'm going to try it and let's see. I want to be able to speak in French. So I'm going to say, okay, so my dad is so working class, he can only write in capital letters, which means no matter what he writes, it looks aggressive. You know, it's like, happy birthday, love dad, in crayon on the back of a racing post. That was you in French. Uh, you know what we should do? Translate it back. Yes, please do. Let's, let's see you back in English. Here we go. My dad is such a blue-collar worker that he can't make that up a case, which means no matter what he writes, he looks aggressive. You know, it's like a happy birthday, my dad, in pencil on the back of a race pillar. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I think the issue here is that I do storytelling um, and that doesn't quite work, I don't think. But I sort of thought that this might happen and Mm. I really wanted my experiment to work. Mm. So I've invited my friend Jake Lambert, who's a brilliant comedian and a friend of mine, and he does one-liners. And I think that's going to be much better. Jake, you were made for you were, you jokes made. to be translated into other languages. Finally. Finally. <laughs> Have you ever gigged in, in, abroad? Yeah, in um, Norway. Oh, me too. How did you find it? Uh, fine, but I, I said some things that they didn't laugh at and then the next day I found out it's because they sort of accidentally insulted them all. <laughs> right, okay. So this would be really useful for you so you don't insult anyone again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'd be amazing if that never happened again. What but, did yeah. you say that insulted them? I basically was talking about how creepy it is when you see an adult on a scooter. Mm. And then, and then, but the problem is we landed that night and went straight to do the gig. And then I went out the next day and there were just scooters everywhere. It's, but they just, they don't even, you know, like we've got the Boris bikes. You don't even have to tap on. You just get off one. and It's like Grand Theft Auto. You just jump on a scooter and go and then you just put it down whenever you don't want it anymore. So that's why they just sort of stared at me. So for the next few nights, I didn't do that. You know, once I gave a talk in 
Norway, I think, maybe Sweden, not sure. Anyway, when you do like talks, like sort of standy, not jokey talks, they often... talk to you, do you mean? And me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They like hold up a sign when you've got five minutes left and when you have to finish. Anyway, I didn't know what the word for stop was. I think it must be Swedish, actually. Because uh, as my talk came to an end, I just looked up and someone was holding up a massive sign that just said slut. (laughs) (laughs) And, and actually, that had nothing to do with uh, that person. Didn't work there. That was just that was just a bit of uh, live heckling. Um, <laughs> also, a massive wrestling fan. Just yeah. love taking sides. <laughs> Sorry, it's by the by. Bundy. So, Jake, what you'll need to do is oh. say your joke. Yeah. Okay. So I'll do the first one. Mm-hmm. My mum makes a mean dinner. Last night was alphabetic spaghetti that spelt out "You're adopted." <laughs> <laughs> Seems to work. Seems to work. Let's get the truth do it back. Should do it back. My mom made a nasty dinner last night. Were alphabet spaghetti explaining you're adopted? <laughs> okay. I love the idea of it explaining it to me. Like, it actually just spoke. It just, <laughs> I, to this happened. <laughs> I like this. Come on, Jake. Give us another one. Come on, do another one. Okay. Do another one. Uh, my advice is: if you start a new relationship, give each other little nicknames early on. Little tip. That's mine. <laughs> <laughs> had all the rhythm. It had the rhythm of the joke. Okay, yeah. here we go. Let's uh, let's do it back. Back in English. Yes. Here we go. My advice is: if you are starting a new relationship, give yourself a little nickname early on. A little tip. That's mine. It was, it was perfect. 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 Better than me. It was better than you. <laughs> Great present. delivery. <laughs> That was excellent. That's excellent. I've seen a vision of the future. Of me speaking French? Yes. I can't wait. <laughs> Jake, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming in and oh, showing you that your me. material works a lot better <laughs> than mine. Yours worked pretty well. It was all right. Does this mean I could go global? Yeah. Uh, what? Can you say that more confidence? Yes. <laughs> for sure. Merci beaucoup. <laughs> Whatever Next was hosted by Hannah Fry and Susie Ruffles. Yes, thank goodness I was here to explain everything. Thanks to all of our guests and experts on the episode for guiding us through the world of tech today. Let's not forget this was made possible by the lovely people at Samsung. Really? Oh, keep up, Hannah. You're meant to be the clever one. Do remember to download and subscribe so you will never miss an episode of Whatever Next. We'll see you next time.